Hey there, We Can't Wrestle Podcast listeners. If you haven't noticed, we have switched our server to Anchor. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. First of all, it's free. There are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or your computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple, and many, many more. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership, and it's everything you need to make a podcast all in one place. So go ahead, download the free Anchor app, or go to anchor.fm to get started. Highly recommended by me and everybody else here at the We Can't Wrestle Podcast. Hello, wrestling fans. Welcome to the We Can't Wrestle Podcast. Nate and Kyle here with you this week. Kyle, my friend, how's it going out there? Oh, uh, you know, I'm I'm actually on a roll but in a rut, so I'm doing okay. You're on a roll but in a rut. Yeah, you know. <laughs> like Scott Hall? or <laughs> Well, yeah, kind of. Uh, yeah. Hey, yo. Well... <laughs> Well, if you need if you need the DDP yoga, um, don't worry, because I'm sure that uh, that one of the wrestling podcasts out there will talk about it 16 times, so you can get the website there. Yeah, well, you know, and I'm sorry, that's the thing. They're like, oh, it's this isn't your daddy's yoga. It's like, no, it's still working out. It's still fucking. And, well, they say it ain't your daddy's yoga, and then you look at DDP, and you're like, no, it's my grandpappy's yoga. Apparently, yeah. Um, because he's starting to, he looks like, he looks like that thing they found, you know? (laughs) Yeah. Speaking of people looking old, did you see fucking Randy Orton? Yes. God damn. Does he start to look like his dad? He he sure does. Yeah. I was like, holy shit, Orton. Well, I was just, I I was just watching, um, I'm watching mid Atlantic and the old WC, like the NWA in, uh, on the WWE network and, Bob Orton, um, I was watching, I was into the time where Bob Orton and, um, and Dick, not Dick Murdoch, um, that Bob Orton and Dick Slater collect Harley Race's bounty on Ric Flair. Yeah. And they're doing an interview and my daughter was sitting there with me and I went, you know whose dad that is? And usually if I say a question like that about old wrestlers, my daughter goes, no, tell me. She's sitting there, and I said, "Can you tell me who? I'll give you one guess whose dad that guy is." Because they didn't, you know, she wasn't paying attention. She had her headphones in, so she didn't hear them say Bob Orton. Right. I said, "You know whose dad that is?" And she went, well, "It looks like Randy Orton." <laughs> and I was like, "Oh, well, damn." <laughs> yeah, he. Good Lord, is he starting to look like his dad? Yeah. The. Um, the little angle they did with him and Hardy a couple of weeks ago, I thought was cool. It was one of the most intense things they've done in a long time, where he was, uh, where he was pulling on Hardy's uh, earlobe. Yeah, it was like I was like, damn, I didn't think they did shit intense like that anymore. That was actually kind of cool. I mean, this week has been a pretty good. I mean, SmackDown I think was a lot better than Raw, but that's just because it's two fucking hours and right. right. Which, but, I, mean, I, mean, I don't I don't get the three hour dregs on Raw because I watch the Hulu version, so I never have to experience the three hour long drawn out 
And if I see that there's anything on the reports after I've watched the show that wasn't on the Hulu version, I just find it on YouTube and watch it if there's something I want to watch. But I don't really have to watch the like you know the Titus Worldwide shit and the you know stuff like that because I watch I just watch the 90 minute version on Hulu. But right. SmackDown has actually consistently been a better show anyway. Well, it just it, it, to me SmackDown harkens back to the days of when Raw was two hours, and it's yeah. like. Okay, I can sit down and watch this. And you've got AJ as champion, who's fantastic, and I mean, it's just it's got a great roster. Not that Raw doesn't. I mean, in Raw, you got Drew McIntyre, you got Seth Rollins, you got I'm a Mark for Elias, you got Elias, you know. But I mean, just overall, it seems like I don't know. Smack, like you said, SmackDown is almost they're spread. It's spread too thick. Like here's the thing: I've been watching uh, WCW '98, mm-hmm. and the thing that I've noticed is that there's a big difference between because ninety eighth when they jump from two uh, two hours to three, right? But still, even at three hours, they they tended to I don't know keep my interest more. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And the thing that I came to see about it was it's like very rarely did you get to see like Hollywood Hogan actually wrestle, right. or did you get to see Kevin Nash actually wrestle? It was you know. I don't want to say enhancement matches because it was more than that, but you're going to see fucking Norman Smiley versus Prince Iakea. Right. And that's just a backdrop for what's going on. The action, the action going on in the ring was just a way for the announcers to talk about the main eventers. Right. Um, And if there was, and if there was a, you know, it was like, I think it was, they're making a big deal how it's going to be Hulk Hogan and Macho Man versus Sting and Lex Luger, and mm-hmm. this is going to be on Nitro. And call your friends, let them know that you know, right? Well, and you're going to see this on free TV. That's that is that is one of the issues that affects you know because like I've said a million times on this show over and over and over again, I really do think that as far as bell to bell in ring performances today's era of wrestling has the best athletes that have ever been in the ring. But the problems are, first of all, the writing. Secondly, like you were just alluding to, they're overexposed. The way way that wrestling is booked today, you see Seth Rollins wrestle every single week. So when Seth Rollins wrestles, not that he's not a fantastic performer, but it's not as special as when you got to see, say, Kerry Von Erich wrestle or Mr. Perfect well, wrestle. Or... Right. And it's like Ric Flair, okay? Everyone everyone shit talks Ric Flair. They say, oh, he had the same match every single time. Well, because nobody saw it. Right, right. I mean, you yeah. only saw Ric Flair if he came to your town once a year. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I don't know. It's just there's there's there's... And modern wrestling fans that I talk to just don't even get it. I mean, this is this is this is what they know. You know, this is what they yeah. know. I um, think uh, the perfect a lot of time for a wrestling show would be ninety minutes. And I say ninety minutes because then you could do a hundred mi- or an hour of actual wrestling show with the other thirty minutes allotted for like promos and promo. Well, not even promos, but commercials and everything mm-hmm, else, mm-hmm. and promo and all that, but. I think 90 minutes would be perfect. It's like, look, you know, you're going to sit down, you're going to watch this from 8.30 to 10. Right. Oh, fuck, I can put a, I can set aside 90 minutes. Well, bre- breaking news as we're recording right now. Oh, shit. Kane is now the mayor of Knoxville, Tennessee. 
Well, good for Kane. <laughs> good for Kane. Yeah. Uh, so I guess the Team Hell No reunion's over. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. I think they kind of had a feeling that's he's, why they wrote him out. He's got more important things to do, apparently. So, yep. yeah. Apparently, okay, so uh, being totally just, you know, uh, being transparent, we are from Ohio. Mm-hmm. And I'm not sure who all we have from wherever that we listen, but... Um, I want to go ahead and apologize for the dumb fucks in, in Dayton, Ohio, at the Wright-Patterson Air Force Base. <laughs> that apparently they fucking called in the FBI and the goddamn SWAT teams for someone fucking up a training exercise. Whoops. Uh, oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I was like, oh, fuck. I'm sorry. It's Ohio. I said, whoops. I should have said, oh. 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 Sorry about that. Oh. Oh. Let me just no, get... but it's just it's like, oh, my God. So I guess um, a couple of other things to talk about. I guess we'll we'll do the uh, the bad stuff first. Yeah, Nikolai Volkov and Brian Christopher passing away this past week. Yep. I guess and Brian Christopher didn't pass away. Brian Christopher passed himself away. But well, from what I from what I read is that he attempted it, and I don't know if he fucking. Was like, oh fuck! I don't want to go through with this. Or they found him in the middle of it, but they rushed him. To, yeah, they rushed him to the hospital and uh, weren't able to save his life. So our condolences, you know, to Jerry Lawler and family. Yeah, um, absolutely. I, I can't say necessarily that. Uh, I want to say I feel bad for his family and friends. I don't really, um, I don't really have much sympathy for the person who's dead in a suicide. Well, uh, just see, my, of, just with my thing on that is that, you know, I used to be the same way. I used to think, you know, like, oh, I don't have any sympathy. But the be-all, end-all is that, unfortunately, suicide and everything else, whether it be, you know, Chester Bennington or Robin Williams or mental illness, it doesn't it, it doesn't pick. It doesn't care who you are. Right. It affects everybody. And unfortunately, we have a real problem in this country with mental illness well, that we don't look but, at it. But to be honest with you, I, I look at and I guess I, I guess I should rephrase my statement. I look at Brian Christopher's suicide as a product of Brian Christopher's substance abuse, and that's pretty and, much. I mean, and I. I, I and I mean this could be a whole this this actually would be a non wrestling show. This would be an addition to the soup if we debated this or talked about this, but I don't I, I I refuse, I absolutely refuse because I have been next to addiction. I have seen addiction firsthand. I refuse to look at an addict as having a disease and I refuse to look at an addict as a victim. No one forces you to become an addict. I drink a lot. No one's forcing me to drink a lot. I drink a lot because I drink a lot. No one has a gun to my head. No one who's ever done heroin has had a gun to their head for the first time they did heroin. And if you did it for the if you did it the first time and you got hooked, that's your fucking problem. Well, unfortunately, I, I, you're right. I, I, I mean, I like just, I said, I, this the Brian Christopher situation is a completely different right, monster. Well, yeah, he was in the sense was, that it's was, not about totally mental illness. It's more about he, he couldn't put down the bottle. 
and he couldn't well, put down the pills and he couldn't put down all that shit. And I think, I think, and this is, I, I don't know the man. I didn't know the man, but if I see a guy that's been, that's in jail because of DUI and he's been in trouble with the law so many times for pills and alcohol and all this stuff, obviously he didn't look at himself very well. And the situation that he was in, which he was in more than once, finally overcame him. Then he tried to take his life. But the problem, the root of the problem is the fact that he put himself in that situation by doing the destructive things he did with no care for anyone or anything around him. No, and that's the sad part about it. And, you know, people will say, and I've heard people say that, you know, like, oh, it's because he lived in the shadow of his father and everything else. And that's fucking horseshit in itself because look at Charlotte Flair. Look at Randy Orton. Look at any of the guys who are second, third generation wrestlers. Or on the the other end of the spectrum, two guys like Jesse James and Dustin Rhodes who did have their problems, but for their families and for their futures, they kicked that shit. Right. And now, Jesse James is one of the most most powerful men in wrestling. Uh, Dustin Rhodes will probably be with the WWE till the day he dies. So, right, which I mean, is, you know, you, know. That, that you, you, you can overcome that shit. Now, in a more respectful tone, I will say rest in peace, Nikolai Volkov. Yes. If you want to see something funny as fuck, I don't know where you would find it. I don't know how you would ever find it, but... There is a, I think it's called Heroes of Wrestling. It's a DVD set of horrible fucking matches. <laughs> okay. Mm-hmm. Um, shout out to Wrestling with Regret with Brian Zane. He does a fantastic uh, retrospect on it. Okay. But it is worth it because it has Nikolai Volkov singing the fucking, that Jewish graduation song because it's for a Jewish <laughs> wrestling event. So hearing Nikolai Kovalkov sing Nahila Hava <laughs> is fucking worth the price of a mission. <laughs> That's great. I oh, was it's fucking great. I was thoroughly I was when I was a little dude, I was thoroughly entertained by when I was a little dude, the Bolsheviks were bastards to me, which means I was thoroughly entertained by them because when I was a little dude they were heels and I was supposed to hate them and they were the evil Russians. And Nikolai, Nikolai worked with everybody from from fucking Bruno San Martino to Hulk Hogan to fucking hell. He was in the he was technically in the corporation at the same time as Steve Austin. Um, yep. Nikolai Volkov worked with you know Backlund and Hogan and San Martino and and he was not. I, I mean, you'd never call Nikolai Volkov like the greatest wrestler in the world. But he was a good hand, and from all from everything I've ever seen or heard from anybody in the business, a super nice guy, a respectful guy, loved what he did for a living, loved his business. Um, I mean, you know, his team with Iron Sheik was entertaining as hell in the in the late eighties. Yeah. Well, and I think the credit to somebody is Batman needs Joker. Right, Joker makes Batman a better hero, mm-hmm. and I, I think it's a it's a credit to Nikolai Volkov that he was able to be the villain and make you know all those that he fought against mean more. Mm-hmm. And he had a he had a long 
like a long career. Um, like it, Volkov started his career, and I think like the late sixties. Like when I saw that he died, I honestly I thought he was older than seventy. Not because right. necessarily because he looked older, but he just he'd been around so long. You think he? I, I thought he was like almost ninety or whatever, just because he. I mean, it turns out he started real early and everything. But yeah, I mean, um, I mean, go back and watch, look at look at videos or pictures of Nikolai Volkov or even the Iron Sheik when they were young, mm-hmm. and it's fucking. It's just it's mesmerizing. Yeah, because what we're used to is them in as in their older age. Yeah, I mean he um, just like well, Sheik. Gosh, the fact that Sheik's still alive is a miracle. But (laughs) (laughs) but anyway, um, he's gonna live till he's like fucking a hundred. I I did not expect the Iron Sheik to outlive Nikolai Volkov. To be honest with you, Uh, I didn't think the Iron Sheik would outlive fucking half the wrestlers. (laughs) <laughs> Roddy Piper, Macho Man. Yeah, Iron Sheik and Jake Roberts are still alive, but but uh, Nikolai Volkov and uh, oh god, I don't know, uh, Kurt Henninger. Well, Kurt Henning, I guess, had his demons too. But Nikolai Volkov also not a demons guy. You know, you never heard about Nikolai being the, the party guy or anything like that. Just, I guess, he died in his sleep of natural causes. So, you know, and that's that's the way to go. It's like you know, and. Yeah. I it's okay. I don't want to sound like a a non compassionate prick, but you know, I it's hard for me to really feel super bad for like Nikolai or any even Bruno. It's mm-hmm. because they had a nice long life. Yeah, I feel worse for people like Kurt Henning and stuff, where it's like they were cut off in their prime, and or, fortunately, demons got the better of them. Or I mean, and and I you know you put aside I put aside Owen. Because that's a whole different thing. That's a that's a thing unto itself. So we're just going to put Owen Hart aside out of this conversation. But to me, the biggest tragedy as far as passing away goes is Eddie. Just because yeah. just because he had he had fought back, he had rejuvenated himself, he had gotten clean. He was he. I mean, he was having. You know, we we didn't we didn't get to see truly Eddie Guerrero's big run. No. You know? And he's one of those guys that it was, you didn't know what you had until it was gone. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. So, what about, uh, what about Brock? You know, I'm, I will say this, that I think they made the right call Monday on having Roman Reigns not in the building. Mm-hmm. Because people were starting to cheer and chant for him, and it's like, okay, maybe they're finally starting to understand and get, you know, the idea of like, don't fucking have him be out there. Make the fans want him, right? Because you know, I was the same way. I, I as most fans, when I found, you know, saw that it's going to be Roman and Brock again I, at SummerSlam. I just, I just want. To be perfectly honest, I just want Roman to beat Brock and just get the fucking thing over with. Yep. Vince McMahon, now, Vince McMahon has been trying to tell this story for four years, and I'm tired of it. And I just want him to put the belt on Roman and get it over with. I can, now, you know what I mean? Like, just yes. do it. Just do it. 
And I'm fine with it because, on the other hand, we have Samoa Joe versus AJ Styles. Right. And, and Brock and Roman is always entertaining. It's always, it's always entertaining. Like, whether it be because you hate Roman or because you're indifferent to Roman or because you just want... It, it's always entertaining. Like, every time I go into it, I'm like, God damn, Brock and Roman again. And then, But honestly, every time I sit down and watch it, I'm like, ah, Brock and Roman. And it's just, I mean, I don't know if it's just become one of the things in wrestling now is to watch those two wrestle and wonder how the crowd's going to respond and wonder how WWE's going to do the finish and everything. But um, the, the and I, I, I liked what they did with Brock. Um, yep. I liked, I liked the story they told. I liked I like the, the fact that it was a fucking show-long build. Yeah, they haven't done that in a long time. That I liked I liked the situation with Heyman. Um and I liked the deal with Kurt because from what I was reading, I think it was uh I don't know, I can't remember where I read it, but apparently they after Brock's deal's over, he's gonna do the UFC thing. But WWE and him have worked out where he will be able to come back and do like matches. Like, like he won't be under contract, but say they want to do, he wants to do WrestleMania. So they'll sign him for three months or whatever to do up to WrestleMania. So what I wonder is, are they planning for Kurt Angle and Brock at Mania this year? I mean, they, honestly, they need something. Yeah, they, I mean, I mean the, the only thing that I did not like about the whole thing, I think I understand why that what they were trying to do. They were trying. They're, what they're trying to do is they're trying to get the crowd to hate Brock so that they'll like Roman. I get it. But when he said, when, when he said on Monday Night Raw to Paul Heyman during that show, I don't watch this show. Why would I watch this show? Yep. That to me was a bad move. Just a bad move to have your champion say that. It was just bad. Yeah, because then it's like, well, if if he doesn't care, then why should I yeah, care? If the champion, if the champion of the promotion doesn't care, why should I care? But yeah, you definitely need. I, they just need to put the belt on Roman because if they don't, I mean, they've already, they've already, to me, to be honest, they've already downgraded this universal championship anyway. Because and it's not because yeah. I mean having the championship on Brock Lesnar is totally awesome. He's the most legit dude in wrestling. I get that, but the way they've the way they've screwed this belt over is that he hasn't defended it. He hasn't been around. It hasn't been the focal point. And how can anybody give a shit or take the title seriously if it's not a if it's not a focal point of the show? I mean there were there was like a month the month there where they didn't even mention his name. No, and on the flip side, when you have AJ Styles, who's doing the greatest you know stuff that he's probably ever done yeah. with a title, which to be honest, he should that that's a good thing to me because that is the WWE Championship. That's the the WWE Championship is is essentially over all these stupid titles they've had over all the brand splits and everything they've done over the years. The WWE Championship is their championship. So right. It's definitely good that they've had that belt on AJ and not Brock, um, because AJ has brought you know he's kept the, he's kept the the distinguished nature of the WWE Championship, um, 
which, you know, for, for all intents and purposes, people can say what they want about John Cena, but so did he. You know, I mean, the WWE Championship to me should always be on somebody like AJ or John Cena or The Rock or Steve Austin or, I mean, just somebody that gives a shit, you know. Somebody that, that has a passion and wants to be there and wants to be on the road and wants to defend the title on house shows and wants to make every TV show, wants to make every pay-per-view. That championship should be on that guy. Right. Well, it, and I guess it's, to me, it's almost like the, it's like, okay, then this is, this is, SmackDown is, this is your guys' you know, this is the wrestling show and then we're going to do, you know, our show, which is Raw, which is more, I don't know, fan, you know, common fan base. Yeah, Raw, Raw is the, and it's, I'm, I'm I'm hating on it right now. I know it sounds like I'm hating, but to be perfectly honest with you, Raw Raw is it benefits from the fact that Monday Night Raw is such an established show that it is appointment viewing. Yep. Because people watch Raw just because people watch Raw. That's what they do. That's what wrestling fans do on Monday night is they watch Monday Night Raw. And even if it's not good, that's that's what wrestling <laughs> fans do on Monday night is they watch Monday Night Raw. But SmackDown is definitely a better show right now, um, which it that hasn't always been the case. Um, it's been it's been the case a few times. Like I remember, I I, I thought SmackDown was better during the um what during the um. God damn it! I just lost my train of thought. I thought SmackDown six. No, SmackDown was better during the WrestleMania, like WrestleMania twenty, WrestleMania twenty one. I yeah. thought it was a better show when you had Eddie and Kurt Angle and and those guys on the show. Um, yeah, Paul Heyman over it and stuff, and right. he was taking the younger talent and kind of doing stuff with them. Right, but even then, Raw was great. The SmackDown right. was better, but. Now I I almost think SmackDown's world's better, you know. And it's it's sad because it's it's raw, and you would you would think that they would. Well, they don't think there's a problem though. Well, you know, I mean that's the thing they don't, or if they do think there's a problem, Vince is too stubborn. Um, I, okay. Last thing. Well, it, Oh, go ahead. Perfect, perfect example is that, you know, everybody wanted to see Bobby Lashley versus Brock Lesnar. Mm-hmm. Everybody wanted to see that. But no, we're going to do Roman and Brock again. And what's what's Bobby Lashley doing? Feuding with Elias. Which, cool for Elias and stuff, right, but... Right, I don't know. It's, you know, you kind of wondered, does Bobby Lashley regret leaving Impact? Mm-hmm. Well, I don't... I'm sure he probably doesn't just because of the money. Yeah. And and, and 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 to be perfectly honest, he's not a spring chicken. He's probably got... I shouldn't say that, though. I mean, I shouldn't say that about Lashley because I'm watching AJ Styles now have the best matches and shit of his career in his 40s. But um, I... I don't know. I, I think that from a, for a guy like Bobby Lashley and the quality of talent that Bobby Lashley is... I mean, for his his decision, it's probably like, well, you know, no matter what the program is like, 
you probably want the end of your legacy to be in the WWE at this point. This is true. I mean, you know, you know you, but you make the, the comment between, excuse me, you know, AJ Styles and Bobby Lashley. It's like Flair and Hogan. The guys who are big and ripped and muscly, they don't last very long. Right. Right. You know, it's the guys who, you know, are more flexible, like a Ric Flair, like a AJ Styles, that it's, they can come back from injuries. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's why I always say fucking John Cena's a, 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 an Iron Man. He's a miracle. Like, nobody of, nobody of John Cena's physical stature has ever been able to recoup like that guy does. Yep. The, the only one I could think of would be Triple H. I mean, you look at you look at guys' careers. Like, um, I think that even though he, I don't think I don't think at the end of the day, even though they they spent five or six years really, really heavily hyping him, at the end of the day, I don't think Batista has a big big part of WWE history. Like, I don't think Batista goes into the... He'll go into the Hall of Fame, but I don't think Batista's up there with guys like Austin and Hogan and Cena and 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 even Rey Mysterio because he, he was out... For, you know what I mean? Like, for the five or six years he was one of the top guys, they could never keep him on top because he'd get injured every six or seven months. Right. I think the only reason why at this day and age that he is who he is and why he's as, you know, a big commodity is because he was in the Avengers movies. Yeah. Or and he was in the Guardians of the Galaxy and all that. I think that's the reason why now you see people going like, you know, oh, well, let's bring him in. Well, mm-hmm. it's the rock mentality now. Right. It's and I, and I'm not hating on Batista. I think Batista. No. I think Batista was really good, and I enjoyed him when he was there. But I'm just saying, I just think that the stop start because of all of his injuries. Because we were talking about your body type, and I yep. just think the stop start hurt the longevity of his career, and I think the stop start hurt his legacy too. You know, um, he's just not. He's not going to go. He's going to go. He's a Hall of Famer, no doubt about it. He was a main event performer. Um, but he's not going to be in that upper echelon with Triple H and Shawn Michaels and John Cena and Hulk Hogan and and Steve Austin and and you know what I mean. No, yeah, absolutely. There's 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 main eventers and then there's the guys. All right. Well, anything else on the modern product before we take a break? I don't believe so. All right. Well, we will take a quick break here on the We Can't Wrestle podcast, and we have uh, we have formulated some what if questions for each other this week. This should be fun. Mm-hmm. And uh, when we return, we'll start those. I'll let you go first this time. Okay. Whenever Aaron's here, he's like, "I'm going first," <laughs> and then and then uh, nobody else gets to go. So <laughs> I know it's funny. It cracks me up. I have the best list. I'm going first. <laughs> I have the best. It's going to be amazing. <laughs> so anyway, we'll take a quick break. We'll come right back. All right, folks, welcome back to the We Can't Wrestle podcast on Podbean, Stitcher, Podcast Addict, any 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 podcast app you have that you can listen to, you know, 
Conrad Thompson or <laughs> or any anybody. <laughs> Roll Tide. Oh my God! Uh, you know I gotta say I don't I don't I don't hate Conrad Thompson. I don't hate. Actually, I really I actually really like. I know that the the dirt sheet guys or the guys that really like the dirt sheets, like the Meltzers and the Kellers and the people that that really are into that, don't like Eric Bischoff's podcast. I like yeah. Eric Bischoff's podcast. I like Eric Bischoff. Eric Bischoff's podcast is the only podcast or only thing that you can listen to because you're never going to hear it from a Vince McMahon, where you actually get to hear from a guy who ran a wrestling company. Right. Now, I will say I would love to fucking hear a Vince McMahon-based podcast. I don't know if we're ever even going to get a Vince McMahon autobiography, though. And if we did get a Vince McMahon autobiography, would it be, would he be straight up? You know what I mean? Because it's Vince McMahon. I mean, the guy shrouds himself in, he, he lives in his bubble and shrouds himself in secrecy. Right. Um, so I don't know. I just, but yeah, I, I like, I like listening to Bischoff. And, and one of the key things that he says all the time is people, even professional wrestlers in the wrestling business don't know the business of the wrestling business. And I, I, I don't know. I just think I, I, and I think that he is not, he's, he's not an artful Dodger like Pritchard. I like to listen to Pritchard's show, but I, I don't believe that Eric is artfully dodging anything. I think Eric's being straight up. Like I was running a wrestling company. Do you think I know what the fuck was going on with La Parca? You know what I mean? Like I, I don't. I didn't know what was going on with La Parca. <laughs> I was busy. No, and that's, that's I, a he's good like, point. He, you I know, mean... he's pretty much like I was busy dealing with the egos and the in the you know, and and all of that. Like I don't know. I just it, it, and it's funny when when Conrad, I was dealing Conrad with a certain guy named Hulk Hogan, right, or Kevin Nash, or Scott Hall, or <laughs> Randy Savage. I I don't know. Just. Anyway, I, I, I recommend I recommend I actually recommend that podcast to anybody. And the other one I always recommend is the six oh five. Um but yeah. And then I actually like um I like the lapsed fan. Lapsed fan is an acquired taste, but once you acquire the taste it's really good. I I will say this about the laps fan. Nobody that I've ever listened to in a podcast form goes as in depth. Yeah, is what they do because not only do they do like, let's say they're talking about I don't know fucking SummerSlam '98. They're not just going to talk about SummerSlam '98. They're going to talk about everything that was going on. Right, right. Around that time, and now the only thing I will say is for a lot of people that if you ever try to get into that podcast, and it, it, it I mean, it can be an eight-hour experience if you let it be. Yeah. Now, if you want to listen to it but not have to go through that, I recommend say they have say they're talking about like you said SummerSlam '98. If you really want to get into the meat of it, just listen to part two. Usually, because yep. usually part one, you know, they do a lot of they and and I'm not hating, not, not at all. It's what they do. It's awesome, but. They 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 read a lot of letters from fans and they talk about Patreon and and all that kind of stuff during the first part, 
the second part is usually the meat of the issue. But yep. But anyways, speaking of the meat of the issue, this is our fucking podcast. So instead of yeah. instead of plugging other people's podcasts, let's talk about ours. And we are going to do some what if scenarios on this week's show. How many you got? Three. Yep. All right. Well, shoot. Let's see what we come up with here. All right. The first one is not really a what if per se, but mm-hmm. it's more of a general question of what was it about pro wrestling that attracted you to it? What was it that when you saw it, you're just like, yeah, this is this is my this thing. Is, yeah, this is. Well, I, you know. re- I remember and I can I can this story's fun for me because I got to actually talk to one of the people that was involved in it about it. The first time I ever saw pro wrestling on TV was in late, I was like five years old, (coughs) late, I think it was late 1983, okay? This is just before Bob Backlund dropped the title to the Iron Sheik, and then Hulk Hogan beat the Iron Sheik for the championship. So I literally came into wrestling and my first experience was was Hulk Hogan. So the first show I ever saw was All-Star Wrestling, WWF All-Star Wrestling. The main event was Bob Backlund and Hulk Hogan against the Samoans. And Hulk Hogan's rap caught my attention. Hulk Hogan's promos caught my attention. Hulk Hogan caught my attention. Of course, the crazy wild Samoans, too. I mean, just the the entire spectacle of it all. Right. The reason that this is a cool story for me is forward, 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 forward to 2000, and I think it was nine. I think it was 2009. At that time, I was working for GameStop. And we went to our store manager's convention in Las Vegas, and this was when Hulk Hogan brought out that wrestling game that he had. The Hulk Hogan's, I don't even remember what it was called, Hulk Hogan's main event. So Hulk Hogan was at our store manager's conference doing autographs and stuff. So I stood in line for half an hour to get an autograph and a picture taken with Hulk Hogan and to get to talk to Hulk Hogan. And I told Hulk Hogan my first memory of professional, and I told him the whole story. Well, not the whole story, but the abridged version, because there were other people fucking in line. But I was like, first, my first memory of wrestling is you, dude. My first memory is you and Bob Backlund against the Samoans on All Star Wrestling right before you became the WWF champion. And you know what he said to me? What's that, brother? You're a fan because I don't even remember that. <laughs> <laughs> At least he's honest. So yeah, I mean, I gotta admit, Hulk Hogan is Hulk Hogan is what attracted me to the sport. But really, what is, what attracted me to wrestling was just just the. I mean, I, my whole life I'm a geek, and larger than life things appeal to me: comic books and Star Wars and science fiction and, and you know all that stuff. And wrestling is in in and of itself. Wrestling is a it's sports but it's it's a real life comic book it's larger than life heroes and larger than life villains in an ever ongoing story that will never end and it just that that's what did it for me it was just it was just the larger than life aspect of the whole thing 
Right. For me, it was the fact of because I was I'm the same way. I love fucking comic books. I love you know good stories. And it was like this is here. This is it's a live action fucking story. Yeah. It's a live action. Good's gonna triumph over evil. Mm-hmm. Good guys, and you can live. Guys. You can live vicariously through your heroes. Right. There wasn't a day that went by that I fucking I believed in Sting when he was going against Hollywood Hogan right. in the NWO. Yeah, I mean, I went to school. When I went to school every day, elementary school, that's what we'd be talking about. We'd be talking about Hulk Hogan and, and Macho Man and and Mr. Perfect and Ric Flair and, you know, talking about wrestling. And I remember, um, I remember one of the biggest discussions when I was a kid. This is 1990, so I'm probably 11 or 12 years old. But I remember going back to school after Thanksgiving break, and the first thing me and my buddies talked about was what is, what what is this Undertaker guy that Ted DiBiase had at the Survivor Series? <laughs> you know, like the Undertaker. That was creepy, dude. Blah blah blah. You know, I mean, we're kids. You know, it's not you. You don't. You don't until you're about fourteen, maybe fifteen or whatever. You don't start looking at it from the perspective of. I mean. <sighs> Once I hit about 13 or 14, then I, I realized I was a bigger fan of the heels than I was the baby faces. <laughs> you know, you start liking the bad guys. And you wonder, oh my god, why am I all of a sudden liking Mr. Perfect? You know, it's around the, around the, around the, around the same time you discover you like the heels better than the baby faces. is the same time you discover, for some reason, you really like those Mariah Carey videos. <laughs> <laughs> well, and that's the thing, it was... You know, for us, it was the perfect, it, I don't know, it's almost like it was tailor-made for guys like you and I, where it's, you know, as you're a kid watching it growing up, you're watching Hulk Hogan and Ultimate Warrior and Sergeant Slaughter and, you know, it's the Mm -hmm. ultimate good guys. And about the time that, you know, you're coming into the mature age, it's when it starts to become more mature. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the Attitude Era hit. The Attitude Era hit when I, the year I graduated high school, ninety seven is when, is when the Attitude Era started kicking in. You know, with Stone Cold on See his I- rise, and and I mean, I know yours came a, your your high school graduation came a few years after mine, but right. Well, and that was the weird thing about it because, like, you know, when the Attitude Era hit and stuff, I remember, you know, you you got you and Aaron came from a bigger city. Mm-hmm. You know, I've always grown, was homegrown in this small little rinky-dink town where, you know, and, like, I remember watching wrestling with, like, I had two or three friends that were big into wrestling, and we were the fucking, the outcasts. We were the fucking, you know, like, you watch pro wrestling? Like, what? Right. It's a bunch fake, of dudes fake in stuff. tights. Fake yeah. Stuff. And then all of a sudden, when the fucking Attitude Era hit, like, we were fucking, <laughs> like, dude, tell me about this Stone Cold right, guy. Like, yeah. what? It's like, told you so, motherfuckers. <laughs> yeah, it was fucking crazy because it was like overnight. <laughs> All of a sudden, everybody's wearing an Austin 316 shirt. and yeah, yeah, it was fucking nuts. It was like, holy shit. Like, <laughs> fucking a year ago, you guys were making fun of us for this. And now. You see, it's a little, it was a little different for me because when I was in school, 
like elementary school and junior high, you still had, you're still kind of in the eighties wrestling boom. Okay. Right. So then I get into high school and I'm the only, maybe me and maybe one or two other guys left who are still wrestling fans. Cause now you're going into 94, 95, you know, the, the time where shit just tanked. Business was down. Nobody was watching fucking wrestling. The only people watching wrestling were true wrestling fans. So it was. Like, it went from all of my buddies knowing knowing what was going on with Hulk Hogan and Randy Savage and Jake the Snake to uh, nobody but me and like one or two other guys that gave a shit about Bret Hart and Doctor Isaac Yankum and. And and you know what I mean? And Hulk Hogan going to WCW because really that didn't make an impact at first. Um, and then as I'm coming out of high school and getting into my early 20s and shit, then the Attitude Era kicked in. So I actually got to experience two. I got to experience an up and then a way down and then a back up again, you know? Right. Well, and that was the weird thing about it. In, in 98, 99, it was fucking everywhere. Mm-hmm. Like, for, for people who didn't, you know, or were too young to remember that listened to our show, I mean, when I say it was everywhere, it was fucking everywhere. Yeah. Cartman shirts and Stone Cold Steve Austin shirts everywhere. <laughs> it, I, it was fuck. It was nuts. Wrestling it was, was, wrestling was pop, cult, pop culture. And that was the thing about it. It's... You know, because I remember watching, like, like I remember the night Owen Hart passed away. I didn't watch it live because, you know, I was I, I was never able to, you know, I maybe could get a couple pay-per-views a year. Right. Like, it was probably WrestleMania and probably, well, it would be Halloween Havoc well, for yeah, WCW. And if, if, if Owen Hart wouldn't have died at Over the Edge, that would have been a throwaway pay-per-view. Right. But, but what was interesting about it, like, because, like, Halloween Havoc was a, has a special place in my heart because uh, my birthday is October 20th, and that was usually right around when Halloween Havoc would uh, would happen. And it would, it would trade on and off because I remember watching uh, the Buried Alive in your house because mm-hmm. that fell right on my birthday. And it was like, I have to see what's going to happen. Like, they're going to bury somebody alive. Right. <laughs> but but what was interesting about, the like, Over the Edge 99 was I had a friend. His name was Andrew, and he was a huge Undertaker fan. Like, he followed the Undertaker even when the Undertaker turned bad. He hated Stone Cold Steve Austin. Like, he was the one guy that I knew that hated Stone Cold. <laughs> so I remember going into it, he's like, oh. He's like, Taker's going to be the new champion because Shane McMahon's the fucking special guest referee. Right. Because at that time, we didn't fucking, it wasn't like, oh, well, you know, they're booking Stone Cold to win. It was, you know, I missed that age because it was like. It's real to me, damn it. (laughs) Well, yeah, it was like, yeah, we knew what the fuck was going on, but it was like, it wasn't like, oh, well, they're pushing Roman. It was, we enjoyed the fucking story for what it was. Right. But yeah, I remember coming to school the next day and fucking everyone talking about Owen Hart had passed away. Mm-hmm. And at first I was like, what? Because <laughs> in 99, it was like, I didn't have a computer. Right. Like a computer in 99 was like a big fucking deal. 
And then yeah, internet, and like I know I sound like a goddamn old guy, but it was it was. Well, we are old guys, but I, <laughs> I don't. I remember not, uh, yeah, I didn't have internet. I didn't have my first. Um, well, okay. When I was at home with my mom, before I moved out, we had we had internet, but it was slow ass dial up internet. And to be honest, that was that was before the dirt sheets got onto the internet. Yep. The first I remember even getting on the internet and like reading dirt, like pro wrestling torch or whatever on the internet was probably late to actually the, I remember the first big time thing of me keeping up with behind the scenes stuff on the internet was probably when the whole sale of WCW went down. Like by then I had hit, I had hit into the, you know, I'd, I'd found out that the pro wrestling torch was online and the wrestling observer was online and, and I was reading the dirt sheets by then, but that's the first big story I can remember reading and following along in the dirt sheets on the internet is, is the WCW sale in 2001. Right. And, and that was fucking weird when that happened because it was, you know, you never thought that you would see that day. Right. <laughs> and it, again, like I always say, the younger wrestling fans that listen to the show have no idea. I mean, they know it happened, and they can go back and watch it on the network, but you have no idea what it was like to live it real time. Oh, my God. To, to literally switch between TNT and USA, to switch between Monday Nitro and yeah. fucking Monday Night Raw, because yeah. that is what you did. Yeah, I, I don't know if I don't know if any any wrestling fans before that or any wrestling fans since that will ever live through anything like the Monday Night Wars. Like imagine imagine watching Monday Night Raw, seeing fucking Rick Rude on Monday Night Raw, and then flipping over and seeing Mon- Rick Rude on Nitro. It was like what the fuck? <laughs> the best thing, the best way I could describe it to modern wrestling fans is it's like. It would be like if you had if they had Raw and SmackDown on Monday night both on different networks. Then you gotta choose. Which one are you loyal to? Which one are you gonna watch the most? Right. Actually I and think that, I think they should do that and make the writers compete. Then maybe we'd get really good shows. Well yeah, but <laughs> they're too busy about fucking putting smile on people's faces. Yeah. We make movies, pal. Yeah. All right, so what is your next what if? Well, well do you want to go f- with your what if? No, go ahead. We'll trade. We'll trade back and forth. You want to do that? It's up to you. All right, we can do. Yeah, I'll do my first one. It might get a little in depth because it might involve. Uh, a, actually, this what if is going to turn into a lot of what ifs as we go okay. along. What if Hulk Hogan never goes to WCW in nineteen ninety four? Eric Bischoff pursues Hulk Hogan, and Hulk Hogan says, eh, doesn't work for me, brother. Does WCW go under early? Like, because they weren't doing great, but they were held up by Turner. Like, if you listen to anybody that worked there, you know, you know that that, that it was the bastard child of Turner Entertainment. Well, see, and that's the big question, because would have Nash and Hall gone? Probably not. Probably would we ha- would we have guaranteed contracts? Would we? 
and the biggest question I think above all is would Hulk Hogan have faded out? I and that that's what I was thinking too when I when I was thinking about the question. Would he have faded out or would he have wound up I don't know if he would have wound up back with Vince or not because of the whole steroid trial. Well, and even if he had wound up back with Vince McMahon, I don't think Vince would have made him a bad guy or could have convinced him to be a bad guy. Right. Because, you know, people forget the Hollywood Hogan heel turn fucking rejuvenated his career. Mm-hmm. Yeah, oh yeah. He was not clicking the numbers for WCW like you would have thought that he would have. And part of it was he just had lost his appeal. I mean, you can only, you know, I mean, you're 10 years on to your Hulkamania. You, you only have so much of a staying power on a consistent Look. weekly basis. And not to mention that the booking was kind of crappy in WCW when he first got there for the first year and a half he was there because they were essentially just booking to his whims, you know. They were signing all his friends. They were booking everything the way he wanted to be booked, stroking his ego. Um, yeah, I mean, he 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 kind of felt all powerful. But like I said, I mean, does for WCW does does do you just do they keep rolling with Sting? Does someone else come along? I think that if. I truly believe that if if he hadn't come over, I think WCW would have stayed on, probably. I don't think they would have been the level that they ever got to. I think they would have been, you know, like, oh, it's just this nice little southern wrestling promotion. Right. And, you know, I think they would have been what TNA was. Mm-hmm. They, they would have never gone to Monday Night's. They probably would have stayed on Saturday at six oh five. But does also does Hulk Hogan never going to WCW ninety four adversely and negatively? This is going to sound funny, but does it negatively affect Vince? Does I think so Vin, because Vince's, Vince's, it wasn't Vince's business is down. You don't without Hogan going to WCW. You never have an NWO, so WCW never gains that ground on Vince. Does Vince start competing? He wouldn't have a reason to. So you you don't get you don't get the Attitude Era, essentially, because if if Vince doesn't have something like a Monday Nitro, because there would never but there never would have been Ted Turner never would have said give WCW an hour on Monday nights at nine o'clock if Hulk Hogan wasn't in WCW. Right, Nitro would have had. Nitro never would have happened. So that being said, WWF quite possibly also could have went out of business. Yeah, because you would have had the same fucking Duke the Dumpster Drowsy and fucking Doug the Clown, and, mm-hmm. you know, you probably have Sid as, you know. I mean, Vince even told Brett in 97 when he didn't want it, when he told him he couldn't pay him all of that contract that he gave him, that he was ready to just pack it in and become a Northeast regional promotion again. Like he was done being a national promotion. He didn't have the money to sustain being a national promotion anymore. So, I mean, yeah, to me, I mean, you just, that guy going to Hogan, going to WCW 94 
is more of a catalyst for the success of the WWF than Steve Austin is, because if Hogan doesn't go to WCW 94, Vince, quite frankly, probably never lets Steve Austin be Stone Cold Steve Austin. You know? No, because it, you never he never gets challenged. Right. So yeah, that's why I thought that was a fun one because there's so many. It's like a domino effect. You, know? you wouldn't have the WrestleMania being the thing that it is today. No. Because that and that's the big thing too. Because like you know, and it's hard even now to look back at WrestleMania like because WrestleMania ten, eleven, twelve, it wasn't fucking this big, huge extravaganza that they have now. No, not at all. I mean, yeah, it was the main show. It was mm-hmm. the big, big was, one, but it, it was, was the, yeah, it was the end of the year. It was the Super Bowl or whatever. It was where all the big stories came to a head, or where they took all the biggest main eventers and put them in the ring with the other biggest main eventers. But it wasn't like you said. It wasn't the the multimedia stadium show Super Bowl kind of experience that it is now. I think the first time that happened was when it was fucking Lawrence Taylor and Bam Bam. Yeah. And Jenny McCarthy and uh, Pam Anderson. Mm-hmm. And then, I mean, even to that, that's when they started having the fan access and all that stuff. But it it really didn't even become. It really didn't even become like a super crazy. WrestleMania. Uh, WrestleMania weekend didn't become WrestleMania weekend even until probably after the Monday Night Wars. Right. You know, like well, you, maybe like WrestleMania, but sometime between WrestleMania 20 and WrestleMania 23 is when it really started becoming what it is now. This this thing that where it's essentially. Super Bowl-like. Yeah, well, and essentially the entire wrestling world whether it's WWE or Evolve or Ring of Honor or whoever, the entire wrestling world descends on wherever fucking WrestleMania is. You know? Absolutely. And that, you know, that's, that's, it, it, it he, he couldn't have even dreamed that back in 96. <laughs> you know, like it, it, you know, I don't know. Wrestling, like you said, WrestleMania 10, 94, Madison Square Garden. It was a great show. And at that time it was probably, it was probably, honestly, top to bottom, the best wrestling show the WWF had ever done. But it wasn't near what it is today. And if Hulk Hogan doesn't go to WCW, I don't know if that ever happens. Just because, right. like I said, that's such a catalyst for so many other things. All right. Your turn. Okay. Here's one. We're going to go way back. Way Okay, what if the the pay-per-view companies had told Vince McMahon to fuck off? <laughs> Are we talking back, back when when WCW or NWA was trying to run, you know, Starcade and everything else, if Vince made the power play, if you carry theirs and don't carry Survivor Series, you're not going to get WrestleMania. Right. And what if the fucking pay-per-view companies are like, "Fine, fuck fuck you, fuck WrestleMania." Do you think Vince kowtows? Do you think Vince just doesn't? I think, I think at that time, I think WrestleMania still goes down. 
And th- this changes a lot of things in the future because it it changes, okay, his relationship with the pay-per-view companies, uh, the way the pay-per-view companies look at the WWF as a brand. I think that because of his relationship with USA Network, maybe WrestleMania winds up on free TV. So, and again, I don't, that's... I don't, I don't think Vince would have given up on the WrestleMania. No, but... right. I'm not saying that he gives up. But what I'm saying is, what if fucking, uh, they're just like, no, like, we're not going to fucking carry, you know, if you're not going to fucking, if you're not going to kowtow to us like that, you're not going to sit there and be like, oh, you can't carry them because we're fucking trying to make money. Right. But I think that that also hurts WC or the NWA in a way. And the reason I say that is, um, have you ever watched Starcade 87? Yeah. It's absolutely ass. Like, it, <laughs> yeah, it is. It's a terror. And, it, and I'm not even hating on and the NWA then, because I think they were they had a decent product. But, I mean, your main event's Flair and Garvin. And I, it was not... <laughs> that, that would not have been the time for the NWA to be in the spotlight, I guess is what I'm saying. Um, it probably... I mean, honestly... Overall, it was probably the best thing to happen to the NWA because Starcade 87 happens, Vince McMahon gets it blocked. NWA is fucked. All right? Their biggest paper, well, their only paper, well, no, I think they are, I think they had Great American Bashes by then. But their biggest pay per view of the year doesn't get in a lot of homes. And they're ready to go under. And here comes Ted Turner. And Ted Turner says, you guys are in rough shape. I'll buy it. But then it's going to be my wrestling company. Oh. So that's probably the... Honestly, them getting fucked over at that time was probably the best thing that happened to them. Because if not, if they would have had a little... If they would have had a little... What do I want to say? Like a fake sense of confidence to not let Ted Turner buy the company. They may have went under before they did. You know what I do you see what I'm saying? Yep. Like absolutely. Like they got they kinda got fucked, but they also kinda, you know, there was a there was a there was a nice little money shot at the end or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> well and that's the thing about it. Like I said with Vince, it's like, God damn, to sit there and tell the fucking the pay per view companies like either you fucking you know, don't carry theirs, or you're not going to get WrestleMania. Right. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that in the long run, in the long run, I think, to be honest, I guess, like I said, it sounds silly, but I think it was actually, I don't think it would have really affected Vince much in the long run. I think it actually would have been worse for... It would have been worse for WCW if they would have had that pro, that show out there. Right. Now, here, here's a follow-up to that, okay? Mm-hmm. So, let's say that the pay-per-view companies say, fuck you to Vince. Right. So on and so forth. <clears throat> Do you think that the company, the pay-per-view company, gets as big as what it was? Because, yes, you had boxing and stuff, but boxing was pretty much on... Um, like Showtime and stuff. Yeah, and boxing has honestly, um, 
fan-wise, boxing has more ups, ups and downs than wrestling does. You know, like boxing, like wrestling, wrestling, you can have, you can have a period of downtime, but you can still sustain because you have some decent stars. And it, but wrestling also benefits from the fact that it books its own shit, and it can it can decide who's its champions. Boxing has had times where they just they just don't have they don't they don't have the talent, and nobody gives a fuck. You know what I mean? Like you got to have a Mike Tyson or a Floyd Mayweather or somebody to come around to be that star. For boxing, that's why I always say, you know, UFC right now it's hot, but I don't think it'll ever be bigger than pro wrestling. No, because because of that very fact. Because in UFC, I mean, you're 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 determined. You're not only are you waiting around for talent to show to what do I want to say with wrestling, you can kind of you can you can form half the narrative. With boxing and MMA, your fighters form all of the narrative because it's it's all about whether they win or lose and how good they are. Right. And also, in boxing and MMA, I mean, you know, you can have the biggest boxing star in the world and one bad fight and he never gets to box again. Right. One, I just one, like I said bad, I don't one cause... bad MMA fight and this guy's dead. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it's just oof. But I don't think people understand like just how in the infancy pay-per-view was. Mhm. Yeah, it was not a huge 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 thing yet. Um I mean because I, I remember think... fuck, I remember back way back. I mean, you know, when I was younger it was it wasn't like it was now where you just click something. You had to fucking send out. Right. And go to the fuck cable companies to pick up a box to fucking get it. Mm-hmm. And pay well, a fucking deposit. The and, the and the other thing is, you think about WrestleMania 3. WrestleMania 3 is one of the biggest wrestling shows of all time. It's one of the first huge pay-per-views of all time. But that show, pay-per-view was such in its infancy that that show was still also broadcast on closed circuit to like 20 arenas around the country too because people yeah. didn't, people just didn't have pay-per-view or they didn't understand it or they didn't want to do it <laughs> and think about that i mean for all those listening it's like you're gonna go pay to go to a fucking arena or a theater Right. To as watch much, as much as we look at it now as as just being what it is. I mean, now we live in the age of streaming technology, but as much as we look at it now just being what it is, a lot of people don't realize really the first big, huge WrestleMania on pay per view wasn't until WrestleMania five. Right. So yeah, I mean, yeah, I don't know. Like I said, I think that I think that. I think that things remain the same for Vince. I think that having Starcade 87 pulled off of a bunch of pay-per-views and actually almost going out of business is actually beneficial in the long run to the NWA slash WCW because they have to go to Ted Turner and say, could you please buy us? 
So, which and, and that brings the the money and yeah, everything. Yep. All right. Well, we're gonna take a break. And when we come back, I'll deal with my next one. And we will be right back. Only we can't wrestle with the pot. All right, wrestling fans, welcome back to the We Can't Wrestle podcast, talking about some what-if scenarios here this week on the show, and uh, I like this uh, I like this format. Yeah, it's fun. It's definitely... So, my next one... All right, we're going to go back to 2006. Okay. Which, to younger wrestling fans, seems like forever ago. To me, it seems like yesterday. That's the thing about age... As you get older, <laughs> you know what I mean, though? Like, as you, oh, get, yeah. as you get older, things don't seem like they were as long ago as they actually were. Oh, um, I, again, like I said, going back and watching the network, it, it fucks with you because it's like, fuck, I remember when this happened live. Right. <laughs> and it's fucking, now it's fucking 20, 20 years, years ago. ago. Right. <laughs> yep, you, you kind of, as you get older, it, time... Time slows down in a way. Like, things don't seem like they were as long ago as they actually were. You know, when I was watching uh, when I was watching WWF in 94 and they would talk about Bruno San Martino, I'd be like, oh, that was long ago and far away. And really, it wasn't at that time, you know? It was like, oh, that was only 17 or 18 years earlier. That's like us talking about the Attitude Era now. Right. It's kind of crazy. It's very crazy because, you know, like you said, it's it's that mentality or that thought of it's, you know, it's like when we're watching, it's like, man, you know, this is cool and hip. Mm-hmm. And now it, people are like the Attitude Era, like, <laughs> okay. That was politically incorrect. <laughs> um, yeah, fuck. So we're going back to 06. You got ECW One Night Stand. In 2006, Rob Van Dam cashes in his money in the bank on John Cena, the classic, if Cena wins, we riot scenario. So my question, or my what if is, because Rob Van Dam won the the WWE Championship from John Cena and became the first man to ever be both the ECW and the WWE Champion. Which was a big deal at that time. And for those of us that were Rob Van Dam fans, it was like RVD's finally getting his due, etc., etc. Right. So what happens, because the way that that ended was ended very unceremoniously, the way RVD's run with the championship ended. So what happens if Rob Van Dam and Sabu Mm -hmm. do not get popped? With drugs, while RVD is the champion. Hmm. Wow, that's a fucking good one. (laughs) 
you know, RVD and, our, and Sabu are smoking their weed, doing their thing, and they make it to their hotel, fair and square, nothing happens. Because very quickly after that, at Vengeance, I think they, they put Edge over RVD, and they went back into an Edge-Cena feud because, well, obviously Vince was pissed that his champion got caught with marijuana. Right, <laughs> yeah. So, <laughs> that being said, if that doesn't happen... Does RVD, I mean, what happens? Does RVD, I, I don't know what their booking plans were, which makes this more fun, but does RVD have a more sustained run as champion? Does he wind up being in that upper echelon? I I think for a while, but from everything that I've ever seen or heard or anything else from RVD, I don't think that he was long for WWE. Right. Well, you know I what mean, I'm saying? Like he's, it, it seems to me that before long, something would have probably happened that he would have right, either but, left. But I guess my point is, okay, because he's still with the WWE until after WrestleMania 23 when they do the angle with Orton. Where Orton puts him out. Okay. So right. I guess my question is 2006 rolling into 2007, does he have a longer reign as champion? Does he make an, a bigger impact as champion? And does that change? Does that change the course anyway? Does that change WrestleMania anyway? Because you wind up, I, I, I don't think that it changes mania. And, and the reason I say that is because from, uh, okay, their intention, WrestleMania 22, Cena beat Triple H. Their intention, and the reason that Shawn Michaels wound up main eventing WrestleMania with, with Cena was because Triple H got injured. Because their intention was for Triple H to win the Rumble and get his win back at WrestleMania 23 against Cena. That was their intention. Right. So, but I guess my question is, does RVD hold the title longer, make more of an impact, and then eventually maybe lose it back to Cena? Because we all know Cena is going to be champion going into WrestleMania because he was supposed to wrestle Triple H. You know... Because they, they wanted that to be like a... Uh, a, a, uh, they wanted that to be almost like they did later with Cena and Rock. They wanted it to be. They wanted that to be the main event of two consecutive WrestleManias. Right. So either way, RVD probably loses the title. But does he become a more substantial figure? I don't think so. No. I think I think that you had too many outside players coming in mm -hmm. with Edge emerging and everything else. And I think that I think that that Rob's win at One Night Stand was, uh, hey, let's give this to Rob because he was injured during the 05 one, mm -hmm. and this will be a cool moment for Rob. But I don't think that he would have held it for very long. So you think he makes it to what? Maybe SummerSlam, probably, hmm. and loses it back to John Cena, and you know because. Because even even now, even when he came back, they still you know they've treated Rob as kind of like 
Rob, Rob, like an attraction. An attraction. Uh, that's what I was going to say. Rob Van Dam, to me, I've always thought that Vince McMahon thinks of Rob Van Dam and Rey Mysterio in the same vein. Because I'm a, I'm a, I, I like Rob Van Dam, but I'm a huge Rey Mysterio fan. And I've always thought that Vince didn't look at them as guys that may not... Vince looks at Rob Van... Guys like... I'm trying to think of the best way to put this. Vince looks at guys like Van Dam and Mysterio as a guy that can main event the Great American Bash or SummerSlam but can't main event WrestleMania. Does that make sense? Yep, absolutely. They're the, the guy that... They're Jake Roberts. Yes. All right, that's, so that, that's the perfect that's the perfect analogy. Yeah, we're 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 in agreement on that. They're the guy that could bring in a good house show in Des Moines, Iowa, <laughs> but they're not well, gonna, yeah. they're not going to main event uh, WrestleMania in Orlando, pal. Well, and I think it's also one of those things that it's like they're going to come see Rob Van Dam or Rey Mysterio, regardless of the fact if he has a title or not, right? Because fucking with Rey Mysterio, he's going to fucking draw no matter what. Because it's fucking Rey Mysterio. Mm -hmm. And you're going to sell those goddamn masks no matter. Well, yeah, and it almost goes back to. I think that's the way that he looked at. In an era prior or two eras prior. That's the way. I think that's the way he looked at at Randy Savage and Jake Roberts. Yep. Like Randy. Randy would get his his titles. He would be the world's champion. But he was never, for as good as he was, he was never Hulk Hogan to Vince McMahon. Whereas Rey Mysterio and, and, and Rob Van Dam were never John Cena and Randy Orton. Right. They were not... I'm trying to think what the... I think it was just the, you know, it's the CM Punk mentality. It's, yeah, he's popular, and yeah, you know, but he's going to fucking draw no matter what. Why? Or, or, to, that why ma- put it- or to that matter, uh, Daniel Bryan. Yeah. Yeah. He's a good little guy to have on the show. People like him. <laughs> he, he's he's the guy. Well, fuck. The, the internet fans love him. They're going to come regardless. Right. I'm not concerned about that. I want John Cena as my champion because he's for the common man. He's the the fucking I want when you're flipping through the channels and you see fucking um John Cena John Cena on Roman the thing, you're gonna stop and go, Oh my god. Right. Yeah. John Cena or Brock Lesnar or Roman Reigns. You know, and and, and that's 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 something that I I it's funny because I compare it nowadays to you you look at you look at a Ray Mysterio or Rob Van Dam and to me or a Randy Savage or a Kurt Henning and you look to me you look at today's WWE and the guys that compare to Rob Van Dam, Ray Mysterio, Randy Savage, Jake Roberts to me, today, those guys are Seth Rollins and Dean Ambrose. Yep. You know, Seth Rollins is, other than AJ Styles and, eh, to an extent, Shinsuke, 
Actually, I'd put Seth Rollins over Shinsuke. I think next to next to next to AJ Styles, Seth Rollins is the best wrestler in the WWE. But to Vince McMahon, I think that Seth Rollins is that guy he's going to put the title on when he doesn't want to have the title on Roman. Yeah, because he's going to draw and people like him. And, you know, et cetera, et cetera. And I think that's the way he looks at Seth, and I think that's the way he looks at Daniel Bryan. He doesn't look at Daniel Bryan the way the rest of us look at Daniel Bryan, you know. He doesn't look at Daniel Bryan as, as or Seth Rollins as the, the best wrestlers in the world. He looks at them as good workers that people like, and we can put the title on them now and then to give our main guys a break. But we'll we'll give the fucking internet fans a bone every once in a while, and then for the rest of the time, they'll be who I want. Right, and you know, I mean, let's be honest: Daniel Bryan or Seth Rollins should have been in Roman Reigns' spot the whole time, but whatever. (sighs) Seth Rollins, especially. Because Daniel, with all his injuries and stuff, I, I'm a huge... I, I was a Brian Danielson fan when he was in Ring of Honor. I'm not going to lie. But I think that as far as... I really do. I think that, that Daniel... I know we're getting off track here, but I think Daniel has a special place in WWE fans' hearts. But I think if Vince McMahon really, really stepped outside of himself and looked at his company and looked at his fans and looked at week over week over week who gets the best reactions and has the best matches, the best guy, the best two guys in the WWE right now are AJ Styles and Seth Rollins. Yep. They're the stars to me. Like, they're the guys I want to watch. And I love Shinsuke Nakamura, and I love Daniel Bryan, and and as a heel, I love The Miz. I mean, The Miz has made me a believer the past few years. But Seth Rollins and Daniel Bryan, or Seth Rollins and AJ Styles, sorry, that's it, you know? Like, to me, the dream match right now in WWE is Seth Rollins and AJ Styles. God, that would be amazing. (laughs) But anyway, we got off tangent there, but that's the point. What's your, right. uh, this is your last one, isn't it? Yes. All right, what is it? Okay. So what if, <clears throat> uh, okay, so what if Hulk Hogan never left Vern Gagne? What happens if Vern Gagne Ooh. says, all right, Hogan, I will give you the fucking merchandising rights to Hulkamania and all that, and, and he stays with Vern? Well, all right, we'll start at the beginning. Hogan doesn't leave Ganya. So if Hogan doesn't leave Ganya, I'll start with the AWA part, and then I'll go into the WWF part. AWA still flounders, and here's why. Because... And it's much like Vince McMahon in 2018. But Vern Gagne in 1983 did not fucking get it. No, absolutely not. So, whether it be Hulkamania, 
whether it be no matter what it is, I think that the ball still gets dropped in the AWA. Now, that being said, that being said, so I don't think I okay. Let's let's leave it there. Hulk Hogan doesn't leave the AWA. Hulk Hogan probably winds up. I'm I'm just going to follow the Hulk Hogan path here. Vern Gagne doesn't still doesn't get it. Still doesn't get on board with what with with changing tastes and et cetera, et cetera. He probably gives Hogan the title for a while, and then it goes back to Bachwinkle or somebody like that. Okay. Right. Hulk Hogan still leaves. But maybe he doesn't go to the WWF. Maybe he goes to Japan. Because at that time, Hogan was still a big deal in Japan. So now we got Hulk Hogan in Japan. Vern Gagne dropped the ball anyway. I really do think that. Because, I mean, I don't know. He had he had some decent talent like Shawn Michaels and Marty Jannetty. And really didn't know what to do with them then. Right. So, I mean, he proved that point. So Hogan's off to Japan. We'll put Hogan off to Japan. So we stay here. Hogan's still in the AWA. This is late 1983 in the WWF. So I guess the the point, the, I guess the question is, because if Hogan, the, the, the story has always been that if Hogan would not have been to the WWF, the guy that, Mc, that Vince McMahon wanted to make his big star was Jimmy Snuka. Well, so that's the question. So is Jimmy Snuka, do you see Jimmy Snuka and Mr. T? No, no. <laughs> Ro- the rock and wrestling, without Hogan, rock and, without Hogan and Piper, rock and wrestling doesn't happen. Yep. Now, what I will say is you still... M- you still you still have the potential because Roddy Piper's still coming in. So you you have that Roddy Piper Jimmy Snuka feud, which they started to begin with. Right. So Snuka and Piper becomes your main event. So is there ever a WrestleMania? Because because before WrestleMania happens, Jimmy Snuka fucking kills a bitch or whatever. Uh, oh. So now, now you've got this guy you've put your title on, and he killed a bitch. <laughs> and oh, yeah. <laughs> so I mean, I don't know. I don't know what happens then if Hogan never shows up in WWF. I mean, I think eventually Hogan would have shown up in WWF, even if he would have went to Japan for a year or whatever. But I don't know. It's 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 a it's a big one because. It definitely affects everything. There's never a WrestleMania. If there is a WrestleMania, I don't think it's the success that everybody everybody saw. No, because... the Okay, originally the plan for WrestleMania, when Vince was planning this big card, it was going to be Hogan and Superfly against... Piper and Orndorff, but because of Hogan's stardom, they get Mr. T. Also, because they need to take Superfly out of the match and just put him on the outside because he's dealing with, you know, killing a bitch again because he's a fucking dirtbag. God rest his 
dirtbag soul. But, I mean, come on, let's be honest. I mean, I'm going to call a spade a spade here. Jimmy Snook was a fucking asshole. Yeah. You the, know, I mean, Jimmy Snook. Regardless of the fact that he did an awesome fucking dive off of. Right. Regardless of the fact that he did an awesome dive, regardless of the fact that he's a Hall of Famer, regardless of the fact that he's dead, you cannot take away. It's like saying, you know, well, because he's dead, we really won't knock on Osama bin Laden too much. Well, perfect credit, you know. Yeah, Chris Benoit was one of the greatest in-ring technicians. Mm-hmm. He was a fantastic wrestler. Fucking dirtbag. <laughs> yeah. yeah, a horrible fucking human being. So, I mean, yeah, I don't know. I, I think that, I mean, maybe, like I said, I think that Hogan probably, I don't think Vern would have got it. So I think no. that, I think the AWA's fate remains the same. I think that, Hogan goes to Japan because, again, he was like Anoki loved Hogan. Jap- the Japanese fans loved Hogan. He was Ichiban number one. So Hogan goes, maybe Hogan goes to Japan for a while and eventually winds up back with Vince. And then, because you now click, click, you've got Vince and Hogan together, now you put something together. But. It looks, is it too late? It would, it's, I don't know that it's too late, but it looks completely different because now WrestleMania is technically a failure. But then I guess now I just put myself in another pickle because Vince has said himself that if the first WrestleMania didn't do well, he was going out of business. Right. I don't know. <laughs> if, Hogan never leave, if Hogan never leaves the AWA, maybe we're all fucked. Isn't that fucking weird to think? Maybe it's maybe it is the NWA. Maybe Ron Garvin is <laughs> the future the future of professional wrestling. Maybe we just have territories. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. It's a now, fun one. Yeah, lots lots, now, of, lots of wormholes on that one. Absolutely. Now, I got one one last question. Mhm. That I again, it's not a what if; it's just more of a question because I've tried to figure this out and I can't. Why do you think that Ohio, where we live, doesn't get any fucking big pay per views or anything or this area? Because at a time, it seemed like the you know they were always coming to the Gun Arena and the big stuff happened right around this area, and now for whatever reason. Well, I think the reason that we don't get, um, I think the reason that we, because I mean, Ohio does get like, Ohio and Indiana both do get like mid-level pay-per-views, like maybe like a uh, uh, Great American Bash or or Money in the Bank or something like that. Yeah. I mean, I, I, 11 years ago or 10 years ago, I even, at 2008, I went to SummerSlam in Indianapolis. Right. Now, now they do the SummerSlam, and 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 the wrestling business is the WWE's business model has changed. But I think one of the reasons that we don't get, like, say, Ohio, Ohio's never had a WrestleMania, right? And I think one of the reasons of that is because the state doesn't have big time national media outlets. Or big-time sports media outlets. That's one of the things that I can think of. Because I've thought about that, too. Like, why have they... I don't know if you've ever been 
to the Horseshoe Dome at OSU. Huh. I've never been there for a game. I've been there for a concert. I actually saw you two in concert there. It is a fantastic um, arena or stadium. It can seat almost 100,000 people for an OSU game. If you've ever seen it on TV for an OSU game, it looks fantastic on TV. I've never understood why they haven't done a WrestleMania at that stadium. And the only reason I can come up with is that Columbus is not close to or is not a huge media mecca like a New York or a Los Angeles or an Orlando or a Chicago. You know what I mean? Or a Detroit. It's not It's not that kind of an outlet for media and stuff. I, I mean, I don't know. That's all I can think of. Well, I, like I said, I just re- I remember that there was... Fuck, SummerSlams always came to the Gun Arena. Right. Yeah, like and now, I said. I, and I understand that, you know, you know, the, there weren't bigger arenas, but it seemed like to me that well, for a long time there, that major storylines, major developments happened. Right. Around Ohio. Well, and I think, but, that, I think that as as they've become... Vince McMahon bought the goddamn WCW. From the Gun Arena. Were, yeah. I think it's as they've become what, like we were talking about earlier, it's a different, it's a different thing now. Like it used to be, it was a wrestling thing. Now it's not a wrestling thing. Now it's a, it's on the level of like the NBA and the NFL and it's on ESPN. You know what I mean? Like it's a different, it's a different thing now. And they're very focused on areas like L.A., Chicago, New York, Florida. They're very focused on Florida. I think I think once Vince fucking croaks that that <laughs> I, I think Vince once Vince fucking croaks that shit in Stanford's done. I think Stephanie and Triple H are going to move everything down to Orlando. Well, and not even just that, but I think that you'll see more because they have the fucking Arnold Classic mm-hmm. here in Ohio. Right. And Triple H seems to be a big fan of that. <laughs> so, but anyways, yeah. So, my next and final what if. What if. Alright, so I'm going to take everybody back in time. Eric Bischoff and Brian Pillman are doing whatever they're doing as far as working the boys, working the audience. Brian Pillman's going to go somewhere like the WWF, or at least he tells Eric Bischoff that, and become a big, big star for a while to try to get the money that he des- he feels that he earns or he the- that he deserves, and maybe come back to WCW at some point. That's their plan. And if anybody's ever listened to 83 Weeks with Eric Bischoff, listen to the Brian Pillman episode, and you can hear the whole details from Bischoff from the horse's mouth about what him and Brian Pillman were talking about, but if anybody knows about that whole situation. All right. So we have all that. Brian Pillman's about to sign with the WWF in 96, and he has a a, a stupid, stupid car accident, which takes his already addictive personality to a whole other level because now he's, he's like, what, broken his ankle completely in half. He has to have surgery. He has to have bolts in his body and shit. So that takes his addiction level to a whole new level 
with pain pills and stuff, all right? So you've got Brian Pillman, one of the most talented, I mean, probably the best psychology in wrestling since Jake Roberts. And because he's developed this loose cannon persona, one of the most marketable stars in an area in an era of wrestling that absolutely needs marketable stars. So my question is, what if, because it's a catalyst for his addiction, which is a catalyst for his death, what if Brian Pillman never has his accident? Because, to me, if Brian Pillman never has his accident, I want everybody to think about this for a minute. Anybody that was a fan of Pillman, anybody that watched wrestling then, and Kyle, you can respond to this, because I know... I know what your response is going to be. It's going to be what mine would. (laughs) If Pillman never has his accident and Pillman does not die in October of 97 and Steve Austin is stone cold Steve Austin and he wins the title from Shawn Michaels at WrestleMania 14 and you've still got Brian Pillman in the WWE (laughs) during the Attitude Era... How much money is Pillman and Austin? I mean, is there more? I, is there more money <laughs> than Pillman? I, I mean, I damn. think it would have done more money than what The Rock and Austin did. I think it would have done equal like, to what Vincent Luke, Austin did. Imagine Loose Cannon Brian Pillman as the foil to Stone Cold Steve Austin. That's insane to me. That's insane business to me. Well, and here's the thing, and this is what I think, again, you know, they talk about, um, you're talking about, uh, that, fuck, um, you're talking about the fact that Vince, or not Vince, but Eric was saying that, you know, the, the idea was that Pillman was going to come back. He never would have. No, because no. if he had, <laughs> I, I don't think, because at that time, the NWO was Eric's fucking major thing. Mm-hmm. And Pillman would have fucking got lost, just like Raven got lost, just like fucking Jericho got lost, just right. like all their fucking talent, Malenko, Benoit, all of them, they got fucking lost in the shuffle. Mm-hmm. And the same thing would have happened with Brian Pillman, unfortunately. So I think he would have stayed with the with WWE, and I think that especially, you know, especially after, like I said, especially after you you come off of you come off, and and it may have actually, to be honest, I got to be honest, it may have actually hurt. I don't know that it would have hurt The Rock because the uh, The Rock is like Steve Austin or Hulk Hogan. The Rock is one of those guys that would have happened no matter what. Because I think he, because he was so good. But I think that Pillman lives, and it actually hurts two guys, okay? Uh, I think I know who the other guy is. It hurts Triple H, Mm -hmm. and it hurts Mick Foley. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't, it hurts Triple H because Triple H doesn't get just to slide into that spot. And I'm not hating on Triple H, people. Triple H is a great performer. 
and and I I don't like people that diss Triple H all the time because to be honest, the guy has worked his ass off. The guy has earned everything that he has earned. Believe me. But I think it, I think it would have hurt fucking Sean too. Yeah, yeah, but 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 after WrestleMania 14, Sean's gone anyway. No, this is true. But what I'm saying though, with hurting you, Sean, is I think that the whole DX attitude era thing, attitude, it would have been Pillman mm-hmm. and not Sean. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I then, think he would have been the fucking the catalyst for the attitude era, so quote unquote. Right, and that that's that's entirely possible. I think that it hurts Mick because I think what I think that if you look at at WrestleMania, if you look at that era right there, that little space of time between Royal Rumble '98 and WrestleMania 14, Mick has this program with New Age Outlaws, Terry Funk. He does his thing, but and and he's still Mick Foley, and he's still mankind, and he's still got a place on the show. Don't get me wrong; he's still there. Don't get me wrong. But I think, to be honest with you, a fully, a fully, with his faculties in good physical shape, and quite frankly, with still a pulse, Brian Pillman, after WrestleMania fourteen is your next logical opponent for Steve Austin. So if you move into Steve Austin and Brian Pillman going through the summer of 98, the dude loves Steve Austin shit never happens. Yep. And that being said, that that essentially hurts McFoley because it puts him in this he's still he's still there. And he's still a key part of the show, but he's still that guy that's just on the cusp of the main event, right there at the top of the mid card. And I don't think well, I don't think it ever happens for him like it happens otherwise. Right now, do you think? Okay, let's say Dude Love never happens. So if Dude Love never happens, you never get the the famous you know Jim Ross interviews and all that. Right. And everything else. So I don't think we ever see um, Cactus Jack. We never are introduced to Mrs. Foley's baby boy. No. No. So, yeah, I mean, it, it has an effect on a lot of things. But to me, as a 40-year-old wrestling fan looking back on 1998 now, the idea of Stone Cold Steve Austin, the loose cannon Brian Pillman on the top of the card is fucking amazing. It's it's a damn shame that we never got to see it. Yep. Absolutely. I mean, you, the whole Brian Pillman thing is, I, it, again, it's just a damn shame. It is, because he is probably him... To me, to me, again, I said Owen aside. I always said Owen aside because that's that's its own thing. I to well, me to me the, the 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 deaths other than Owen Hart that have affected me in wrestling the most are Eddie Guerrero and Brian Pillman because well, I was such I was just such a fan of both of them. And, well, I think the sad part about it is with both 
Brian Pillman and and Owen Hart, it was one of those things. Like with Eddie Guerrero and even even Chris Benoit, you know, even though he's a shit human being and did what he did, the fact is that he got to show the world what he could do. Right. Unfortunately, even Eddie Guerrero got to show the world what he could do. Mm-hmm. It's sad that Brian Pillman and Owen Hart never truly got to be who they could be. Well, Owen did, but Owen never got to do it on a huge stage. No, and like, that was the thing. The problem was that Owen I, got Owen got I, to do it with Brett in like '94 and '95. But like I but said earlier, but he still, but he was still, a, it was in my opinion, behind period. the shadow of Brett. Well, not just that, but it was a down period in the business. Yeah. You know, I mean, Bret Hart and Owen Hart is one of the greatest feuds in wrestling history. And honestly, their match at their steel cage match at SummerSlam 94 and their their match at WrestleMania 10 are two of the ma- best matches of all time. But nobody, it doesn't get the attention that it deserves because it was it took place during that dark period of time that the WWF, the WWE doesn't even like to really acknowledge. No, and that's well, again, it's sad because you know you go back and watch it; it's not that bad. No, no, compared to some of the shit that <laughs> that we see now. <laughs> but and that's the thing; everyone's like, "Oh, well, fucking," you know. 1994-95 was bad because you blinked the clown and everything else. And I always say one thing when people talk about their precious fucking Attitude Era. Mm-hmm. Fucking Kurgan. Right. Oh, yeah. What's, what's your favorite fucking Kurgan match? Right, yeah. The entire fucking oddities. Or uh, how about that uh, How about that uh, May Young hand angle? Yeah, so, you know, I think that people... I think if you were to take Austin and The Rock and put them in 1995 and have everything else the same and the Vince McMahon storyline with Austin and have everything else the same, I think it would have done just as well as what the Attitude did. Right. Because (laughs) name me really and truly, and I want you to be honest, you know, what besides... The Austin McMahon, Austin Rock, you know, in 1998, 99, what else really fucking stood out in the Attitude Era that wasn't just throwaway? It's really all a blur. It is. I mean, there are some fun moments and there are some fun gimmicks and there are some fun things going on. Don't get me wrong. And and you have the thing about that. The thing about that era is you have just perpetual kinetic motion. Like, <laughs> that's the best way I can describe it is you watch a show and before you know it, it's over because it's just, you don't know what the fuck's going on. It's just per- perpetual kinetic motion all the time. The matches in and of themselves were not great. No. In fact, 94, 95 did more for building talent than what they did in the Attitude Era. And it had, because... be- and it had better matches. Yeah. <laughs> the Attitude Era was 95% filler. Hold on just a second. Absolutely, the attitude here. It was more filler. Well, and that's and, the thing. Everyone talks about Vince Russo like, oh, he gave everyone a storyline. Okay, yeah. All right, fine. Yeah, you know what? He gave people storylines, but the storylines were fucking Kai and Ty chopping off Vin- or Val Venus's penis. Well, in 90% of your main events, I mean, let's talk about the main events. All right, let's talk about that era. And I'm not taking anything away from these guys. Don't get me wrong. 
and Kyle's not either. We're not taking away from anything else, anything away from these guys because we were as entertained as you were. And I had fun, and it's fucking fun to watch the Attitude Era. Don't get me wrong. However, all right, I'm going to give credit, more credit to the guys now. I, I'm going to tell you this right now. I have watched more great or almost great. This is going to, if the, our fans are going to revolt. <laughs> but I have seen more great, great championship matches if i'm talking about bell to bell wrestling action i have watched more i mean a hundred percent more great bell to bell championship wrestling matches out of john cena than i ever did from the rock yeah the rock the rock was the rock's the greatest sports entertainer ever I mean, it's right up there with him and Hogan, you know, as far as, as drawing a crowd in and entertaining people. No doubt about it. Charisma beyond the pale. But most of Rock's shit was what I like to call, because he stole it, kept it after the Attitude Era, and did it for another 14 years. But it's what I like to call the Jeff Jarrett walking brawl. Yep. You know, the the... The match happened, 90% of the match happened outside the ring because they just walked out into the crowd and hit each other with cups of beer. And, and not that at that time it was so entertaining because it was different. Don't get me wrong. It was good because it was different. It was something you'd never seen before, and it was fun to watch. But if you really, 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 really look at the history of wrestling and you watch the whole body of work of the entire WWE, <clears throat> you're going to see more good championship caliber matches out of John Cena than you will out of the rock. Well, and that's the thing because again, it's and even with Austin and I know again, this is sacrilege and I'm, you know, but I did Austin or the rock ever make anybody? No, no. And that's, and that's the thing. And the biggest thing about it was, Austin, yes, Austin was a huge entertainer, and he was great. People didn't pay to watch Austin wrestle. They paid to see him flip people off. Mm-hmm. And they paid to see him and drink the, beer. And, and, the, and neither one of them ever made anybody. When they, when they, for all intents and purposes, when the both of them left wrestling in 2003, they left wrestling each other. They never made anybody. Anybody. Because even the people they wrestled were already made. Foley was already made. Triple H was already made. Big Show was already made. And I look at John Cena, and then now I go, oh, who did John Cena make? Oh, I don't know. John Cena made Randy Orton. John Cena made Sheamus. Fucking Sheamus. Made Kevin Owens. John Cena made Kevin Owens. John Cena made Rusev. John Cena made Bray Wyatt. Okay, did he beat him? Probably. But when he went in the ring with them, he made them. He made The Miz. He main evented WrestleMania 27 with The Miz. He did what you're supposed to do. He made them. Um... 
and again, I'm not dissing The Rock, I'm not dissing Austin, but those two guys wrestled around a lot of already made guys. And see, and that's the biggest thing is that, you know, Austin and The Rock, everyone talks about how great they were. And they were great. I'm not going to, I'm not trying to shit talk them at all. Please do not take that as this. But the, the fact is, is that you had at the, the height of pro wrestling, you had Vince McMahon, who was the evil boss. It was a storyline that everybody could fucking get involved with. Mm-hmm. Okay. And like you said, they, they were wrestling with made talent. Right. Okay. After they left, it was people like John Cena and them that rebuilt from the ground up. Yep. Just like when Hogan and Savage left, it was Brett and Sean that yeah, they, they kind of you know they had to keep the shit afloat. <laughs> yeah, and that's the thing is everyone talk everyone shit talks you know Diesel and and Sean and like oh Sean was Diesel were they were the lowest paid or the lowest drawing champions. If they hadn't been as good as they were, where would we be at? There wouldn't be a WWF. No, because at the the be all end all was WCW. The perfect analogy was they had strong undercards. Mm-hmm. They had some of the greatest fucking matches you could ever go back and watch. Dean Malenko and fucking Jericho. Right. The problem was that they built their entire company on, you know, their main stars, mm-hmm. and it worked. Because, yeah, you might see Macho Man versus Hogan in a five-minute bullshit match. But for the two, three hours leading up to it, they made it seem like that was the most fucking, the most important fucking match you were ever going to see. It was an event. (laughs) Exactly. And the problem, again, with, like, with Austin is, and again, I'm not saying that I don't like Austin. It's, he didn't really wrestle. Mm Mm-hmm. I mean, now, granted, a lot of that comes from the fact that he broke his fucking neck and everything else. Right. But it wasn't until that he was, you know, basically stunning people because he couldn't wrestle that he got over. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that that's my biggest gripe now is that, you know, uh, yes, I like to see Austin, and I like to see The Rock, and I like to see, you know, all these talent and everything else. But the problem is that they come back, just like the, the Rock and CM Punk thing. In my opinion, that, that fucking buried CM Punk, that The Rock came back and beat him. Well, Punk's whole... I, have you ever listened to his interview with Cabana? Yeah. About that was his whole thing about his last like year and a half in the promotion was every single person I'm losing to is not going to be here on Monday night. You're essentially, you know, you're feeding me to undertaker, you're feeding me to the rock, you're feeding me to Hunter, you're feeding me to, they're not going to be there the next night. I am right. And you're putting, and that, that's another thing with, that's another, uh, what I want to say. That's another problem that's come around in wrestling over the past, I don't know, 10 years. And it's actually one of the reasons that I wish... I wish that... that, And not not that I don't mark out when he returns. 
But I almost wish that when Brock beat Undertaker at 30, it just would have been it. Yeah. He just would have went home. Because what what Undertaker brought to wrestling, and again, he's he's going to go down as the greatest of all time in the WWE as far as an attraction goes. Like, to me... Personally, and, and some guy who was a wrestling fan in 1974 probably wouldn't agree with me, but to me personally, Undertaker is the biggest attraction in wrestling, wrestling of all time. He's bigger than Andre, okay? Mm-hmm. But what Undertaker brought to wrestling, what that character brought to wrestling, was a guy that comes back only during a certain time and then beats the star that's going to be there tomorrow and it hurts the star that's going to be there tomorrow. Well, I guess he's not the first one to do it because fucking Fritz von Erich did it. <laughs> but but it's definitely a copy of that. And on the mainstream, I think that overall it hurts things because you're going to have that now. Like you have Brock Lesnar. Brock Lesnar wrestles once in a while and he comes back and he usually beats the guy that's going to be on tomorrow and Brock's not going to be back for six months. So it just hurts the product. And I promise you folks that over the next five to ten years, this is what we're getting with John Cena. John Cena is going to come back at WrestleMania and he's going to beat somebody who should probably go over him because they're going to be on Monday night and he's not going to be. Yep. And eventually that's going to happen with Randy Orton too. And it's a thing that that as as much as wrestling fans as much as we wrestling fans love to see Undertaker, it's something that his character brought to wrestling that probably is detrimental to wrestling. Well, it, and that's the biggest problem is that everybody didn't want to see Undertaker retire. I, fuck, I don't want to, you know. Mm-hmm. But the problem is that he has to, and you have to move on. Yep. And the problem is that, again, everyone's like, oh, well, you know, uh, we're going to miss him. And it's like, yeah, I know, I'm going to miss him too. But, you know, that was, I thought that was the point of, oh, hey, guess what? We have fucking Bray Wyatt. He's going to be the new, you know. Well, I'm a football fan. I'm a Pittsburgh Steelers fan. I like Ben Ben Roethlisberger, but it's time for him to go. Yep. You know, I mean, eventually you have to move on. <laughs> and, and, you know, you have to... And until this era of wrestling, until this shit started with these guys that only wrestle one pay-per-view a year or whatever, until this started, that's how it was done. The old guy moved out and the new guys moved in. Now the new guys can't get any steam because they work real, real hard for nine months out of the year, but then three months out of the year, they they got a job for the old guys. And Imagine. It, it, the 50-50 booking doesn't help either, but... Well, again, like I said, the, the, biggest, the biggest fucking problem is that you're going to have all of these guys, they come back, once a year to beat the talent 
and of course they're not going to fuck it. Nobody's going to look at them as they're like they're fucking stars. Right. That could be a whole episode, the detriments of the way WWE books now. But that being said, I think it's about time to wrap up this show. Yep. So next week's show, we're back around in our in our rotation to the pay-per-views. Pay-per-view reviews. Aaron will have to uh, pick his on the sidelines because he's not present with us tonight. But, Kyle, I'm going to have you pick a number. Okay. And you're going to pick mine. A uh, number between 1 and 10. Let's go with... Hold on, I lost my... Hold on. Ah, <laughs> oh, fuck! In my, in my phone... There it is. I, I lost my list in my phone. I have my list here. All right, there we go. I got it now. <laughs> Let's go with seven. Number seven. Yusa. Ooh. Oh, I don't like that. <laughs> I, feel bad. I feel real bad for you right now. Oh, fuck. <laughs> Oh, no. Uh, hopefully you can get me back on the return here. <laughs> WCW. Uh-huh. Great American Bash. 2000. Oh, my God. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, yeah. oh, I think I know exactly what that is, too. What is it? Oh, my. Is that the fucking... I'm pretty sure this is the one where fucking Sting gets lit on fire. Hold on, I'm going to look up the... Hold on. I'm going to look up the description of WWE Network. Pick my number while I'm doing that. All right. Uh, Let's go with four. Number four. Number... Fuck me. You got me. You got, well, well, yeah. you, you got the tater. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, why you say? Uh huh. Why do I pick random pay per views for these lists? I have WWE. Let me write this down. I like it. WWE Payback. Payback. Oh no. Two thousand and fifteen. Oh. Yeah. Tough. It is tough. 2015 was pretty rough. All right, let me see here. Great American Bash 2000. <clears throat> WCW's annual summer spectacular. I won't give away too much to the fans. Jeff Jarrett defending the WCW World Championship against Kevin Nash. Oh boy, yeah, you're fucking right. Cause... And I'm and I'm sure the title is going to change seven other times during this pay per view too. Um, let me see, because I'm sure fucking because this is the heyday of Vince Russo, so of course Jeff Jarrett's the goddamn champion. Well, then you're going to have Scott Steiner and Rick versus Rick Steiner and Tank Abbott in a handicap asylum match. That should be fun. Oh, oh, you're right. It is Sting uh-huh. Sting versus Vampiro in a human torch match. Oh my god. Have fun. 
Have fun. Oh, Jesus Christ. Let me see. Payback 2015. Let's give the folks a preview of what I'll be watching. Mm. I think I should just get to pick Aaron's fucking I think so, since, too. Since he wasn't here. Yeah. Let's see. <laughs> Payback 20... What the fuck? Is it not even on the network? Was it so bad it's not even on the network? <laughs> there we go. Payback 2015. Um, I've got... Seth Rollins and... Eh, Seth Rollins and Randy Orton in the main event. Hey. And I also have... I also have John Cena and Rusev in a, get this, never give up, never surrender match. That's not what they fucking called it. Please tell me. That's what it says on here. So Jesus. I'm, I'm sure Cena will go over there somehow. But anyways. Oh my God. I can't believe. That's going to be some of the fun y'all are going to hear on the next we Can't Wrestle podcast. We thank you for joining us this week. Kyle, anything else to say to the listeners before we sign off? No. I guess the only thing I'm wondering is when's the next WWE Great Balls of Fire? We'll ask Pat Patterson next time we see him. Okay, good. Uh, SummerSlam's <laughs> on the way, folks. Yes, it is. Oh, shit. And before uh, we forgot one thing up top. Oh, Okay. WWE Evolution. Oh, yeah. The first ever women's pay-per-view. The first ever ladies' women's pay-per-view coming up in October. Um, I think it's cool. I think it's cool, too. I think it's... I think it's a step in the right direction. I think it's... You know... Personally, one of my favorite matches of the last probably ten years has been Sasha versus Bailey. Mm-hmm. And so I'm excited to see what the women can do when it's you know. Hopefully, it goes over well. I think that it will, and I think that I think that it's um, it's one of the more positive. I don't think that this would have happened. I know they were doing main events with women before and they were doing special matches with women before that had never happened. But I don't know that they ever would have done a women's an all women's pay-per-view without Ronda Rousey. Nope. So it's it's another positive of them signing Ronda Rousey also. So just coming think, up Oh, go ahead. Just, I was going to say just think back for in 1998, to think that there was going to be an all-women's wrestling match and not a goddamn fucking brawl and panties well, match anywhere in the entire fucking pay-per-view. No fucking... Pudding. Yeah, evening <laughs> gown, pudding, anything. It's going to be a legitimate... I mean, to me, that's just... It speaks volumes. Good stuff. Yes. All right, well, we will... Uh, let me get to- to- Tootsie signed up here. Somebody um, commented to me today, or the other day, it was a listener that I actually talked to in person quite a bit, said, you guys did toots tweets for like two shows and you haven't done any since then. And what I said was, well, he's dead. So anyway, 
That was the end of that conversation. <laughs> the guy doesn't even know what Twitter is. Leave it alone. The gimmick died. But the song has not. No. Oh, wait, let's wait. I just got a tweet in from Tootsie. Oh. Said he'll be back next week. He wants to hear about uh, Great American Bash 2000. Oh. He remembers he remembers rolling over in his grave that night. <laughs> Thank you for joining oh. us. Thank you for joining us, everybody, on the We Can't Wrestle podcast. Nate and Kyle signing off, and we will see you on the next show next week with our pay-per-view reviews. And I'll be happy to give Aaron his. Believe me. I know you will. We'll see you next week, folks. You think he'll go first? I bet he will. I'll go first. I'll go first. Mine's best. Mine's best. Got a lot of good comments. And then after it's said and done, you're going to hear. <laughs> Sorry, I was microwaving a burrito. Sorry. I'm going to play music now. I don't, I don't give a fuck about what you guys are saying. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love oh, roasting. All right. We need, to, goodbye. we need to roast him more when he's here. Yes. <laughs> goodbye, fans. We'll see you next week.